Episode 1 The Human Mind Three Thoughts On exists because I see an opportunity for all of us to be better informed, for facts to rise above opinions, and for wisdom to be abundant. I believe it is possible for any of us to take raw data, filter it, analyze it, and then graduate it into information, knowledge, and wisdom. So it seemed appropriate to dedicate the first few episodes to topics that are central to the creation, consumption, and processing of data and information. In this very first episode, we will briefly discuss three thoughts on the human mind. Thought number one, why do we have a human mind? In his book, Sapiens, historian Juval Noah Arari tells us that somewhere between 70,000 and 30,000 years ago, our ancestors, the Homo sapiens, started doing some very special things. They built boats, oil lamps, bows and arrows, and needles to sew warm clothing. Some researchers believe that these unprecedented accomplishments were the product of a revolution in sapiens' cognitive abilities. Although there are a few theories for how and why this revolution took place, one of the most accepted ones is that a mutation in at least one gene, the FOXP2 gene, led to among other things, the development of language in Homo sapiens. This is not to say that we are the only species with language. We know that many other mammals communicate through language. So it seems like the difference between our evolutionary path and that of other mammals is that our language became increasingly complex. And that is in part due to the shape of our vocal tract, that is, our mouth, tongue, and throat. According to Dr. Ray Jackendoff from the Linguistic Society of America, it wasn't until about 100,000 years ago that hominid vocal tracts began to permit the modern range of speech sounds. That doesn't mean that language began there, but it certainly suggests that this ability to communicate through more complex sounds played a role in the aforementioned cognitive revolution. But why are we talking about language? In a paper titled, Why Language is All Thumbs, Chip Walter states that, quote, a mind capable of language is also a self-aware mind, end quote. What does this mean? It means that at some point, our mind became capable of complex language, complex pattern recognition, and complex thought. It means that a human mind can create physical objects like tools, cars, and cities, but can also create ideas like religion, democracy, and money. A human mind is self-aware which means it's a mind that thinks about thinking. So why do we have a human mind? It's hard to say, but research shows that without complex language, we may not have one. Maybe 
Terence McKenna was onto something when he stated that, quote, our mind is somehow a co-creator in the process of reality through acts of language, end quote. Thought number two, what is a human mind? There is no easy answer to this question. If you go online searching for the definition, you may end up as confused as I did. This is because some of the available literature uses terms mind, brain, and consciousness interchangeably. But that can't possibly be the case. For one, we know that the brain is a biological entity and the mind isn't. On the other hand, there is an ongoing scientific and philosophical debate on the hard problem of consciousness. And most leaders in this field define clear boundaries between the brain, the mind, and consciousness. So then, what is the human mind? Let's start with some basics. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the mind as, quote, the element or complex of elements in an individual that feels, perceives, thinks, wills, and especially reasons, end quote. Great. Good start. But we are still left with more questions than answers. For example, what is an element in this context? Dr. Daniel Siegel, professor of psychiatry at UCLA, has been studying the human mind for a few decades now. In his book, Mindsight, he states that the human mind is a process. He says the mind is, quote, a relational and embodied process that regulates the flow of energy and information, end quote. How interesting. A process we can feel and that our biology is in tune with. A process that manages energy consumption from information and also interprets information from metabolic processes. Dr. Alan Jasanoff, professor of biological engineering at MIT, takes a similar approach in his book, The Biological Mind. He states that, quote, our minds are the product of complex interactions between our biological brain, our physical bodies, and the environment around us, end quote. This is very good. Dr. Siegel and Dr. Jasanoff's definitions are concise, helpful, and actionable, and they're also consistent with a lot of the literature I've found. In summary, the mind is, one, a series of interactions, an ongoing process, and most likely not a thing. Two, this process doesn't take place in our brains alone, but instead continuously through our entire biology. Three, this process is observable and most importantly, changeable. These are not the only definitions of the human mind but they are definitions that leave me with something I can work with in my day-to-day -day life. Thought number three. How does the human mind work? In order to attempt to understand how the human mind works, it may make sense to first try to understand where its boundaries may be. 
In their revolutionary 1998 paper, Andy Clark and David Chalmers ask this very question. Quote, where does the mind end and the rest of the world begin? End quote. At first glance, this may seem like a simple question, but it is far from it. In the article, Do We Have Minds of Our Own? Megan O'Geiblin tells us that in order to do science, thinkers like Descartes and Galileo had to dismiss the mind. They concluded that things like intention, agency, purpose, love, and meaning must be secondary qualities, inexplicable within the framework of materialism. And so the Western world was divided in two, mind and matter. This dualistic approach was essential in the development of many of the technological advancements we enjoy today, as it works well for understanding the material world. But it does not address the immaterial world. In fact, this approach created a radical disconnect between what many consider essential to being human and what can be measured. In her book, The Extended Mind, Annie Murphy Paul tells us that the mind is not only everywhere in our bodies, but it is also in our environment and in our relationships. A study by Solomon Siang of Princeton University showed how a slight difference in temperature can dramatically influence incidences of violence and aggression. It turns out that we may be good at noticing large temperature changes, but we're not when it comes to subtle temperature changes. Well, we think we don't notice, but our subconscious does. Siang cited studies with police officers and firearms. He found that room temperature changes during police exercises influenced how much they fired their guns. Today, we are influenced by much more than temperature. Our mind has become increasingly entangled with technology and it is directly impacted by the myriad of data captured by our senses. In the 1970s, Horace Barlow found out that a single photon hitting the retina can trigger three neural actions. According to Dr. Jasanoff, this means that at any given moment, 40% of our neocortex is dedicated to processing information from our senses. A large portion of this data is processed subconsciously, where patterns are noticed, and our body alerts us of such patterns through sensations generated in our organs, bones, and muscles. Does this sound familiar? Have you ever heard of the gut feeling? A 2020 publication of the Harvard Review of Psychiatry tells us that, quote, the gut contains the largest number of neurons in the body after the brain. In recent years, it has become clear that the gut microbiome is in communication with the brain through the gut-brain axis, end quote. The paper further concludes that generally, People with depression 
have a less diverse gut microbiome with higher levels of bacteria associated with inflammation and decreased levels of bacteria associated with anti-inflammation. In other words, disruptions to the gut microbiome can trigger reactions in the body that may affect psychological, behavioral, and neurological health. I guess the old saying, you are what you eat, goes far beyond what you can see in the mirror. What you eat impacts what you think and how you think. So far, this makes sense. The human mind takes inputs from our body, our senses, and the environment. But that's not all. The mind also takes inputs from other minds. According to Richard Brody's book, Virus of the Mind, human minds impact each other through the creation and proliferation of memes. Brody uses Richard Dawkins' definition of a meme as a unit of information in a mind whose existence influences events such that more copies of itself get created in other minds, end quote. Our ancestors began this process when they started asking questions deeper than where is the food, who should I mate with, or how do I hide from this tiger? They started asking questions like, where do we come from? What should we do? Why are we here? They answered these questions with fiction and myths that eventually became ideas and memes. This is where the inner workings of our human mind began the ongoing process of changing the world around us and changing ourselves. Final thoughts. I want to finish this episode with a caveat. What I've shared with you is obviously scientifically incomplete given the amount of research available today. But it is also incomplete in a very different way. It's incomplete linguistically and culturally. I've shared some of the beautiful evolutionary background of how we came to have a human mind. But our ancestors did not proliferate the earth in one language nor one culture. They came up with diverse languages and cultural traits. And that makes a huge difference in how we observe the world in ourselves. The answer to the question, what is the human mind, unfolds very differently depending on which language and which culture you ask it. In fact, the word or concept of mind may not even exist in other languages. In his book, Naming the Mind, psychologist Kurt Daisinger shares the work of linguistic scholar I.A. Richards in the 1930s in China. Richards noticed that the work of Chinese philosopher Man Tzu presented a coherent body of psychological concepts that had no modern or Western equivalents. 
He specifically states that Chinese concepts that linguistically translate to the word mind do not represent what we mean by the word mind. He states, quote, Chinese thinking often gives no attention to distinctions which, for Western minds, are so traditional and so firmly established in thought and language. We forget that these distinctions have been made and maintained as part of one tradition of thinking and that another tradition of thinking might neither find use for them nor be able to admit them, end quote. I will leave you with this thought. A human mind is capable of complex language and is self-aware. The level of self-awareness you enjoy is a function of, number one, the richness of the vocabulary in the language or languages you choose to speak. Number two, the richness of the environment you choose to live in. And number three, the richness of the relationships you choose to have with others and with yourself. I hope this basic breakdown of the human mind was useful to you. If it was, please share it. Constructive comments and suggestions are always welcome. Please know that this was not meant to be and could not possibly be exhaustive. It's just a starting point to start productive discourse and conversation. Let's learn and grow 